It's the Sports Hour with Alexander Garrett. And we are having some fun here on Can You Dig Sports Radio, uh, part of the JukeboxRadio.com family of uh, shows and genres, by the way. And yeah, this hour, too, I'm going to get to one Bob Wolf, the Hall of Fame broadcaster I referenced in hour one. You'll get to hear from him and how he became a Hall of Fame broadcaster. Uh, and hopefully throughout the weeks, you'll get to hear some other familiar names that uh, have made sports history, have been even behind the mic on different things, and just that love sports and have played a part in sports uh, one way or another. So we'll get to that on the Sports Hour as well. And by the way, you can follow my page at AlexGNYC1. That's AlexGNYC1. And you can follow Can You Dig Sports. Yes, you can on Instagram by following Can You Dig Sports. So there you go, D-I-G, Can You Dig Sports. And if you dig sports, you might dig ESPN or you might not. I don't know. But what's happened over there over the last few days alone should be very concerning. Uh, I think letting go Rachel Nichols is, for what she said, off mic, behind the scenes, in a privately recorded setting, is not right. But she's now pretty much dumped by ESPN after her comments. And, uh, of course, her comments were about a, uh, a fellow colleague where she said that, you know, I was contractually supposed to work the NBA Finals. That's basically what she said in the clip. And it's been played over and over again. And the colleague she references is African-American, and I think there's part of this, part of the issue. And, and so ESPN felt, instead of keeping her to her contract, they gave the spot to someone else, and Rachel Nichols is fired, basically. And, and now, just when ESPN thought thought that they uh, were doing well, well, then they al- allowed a fake high school team. It, it, I don't even know if it's credited. But a high school team from Ohio lied to ESPN to get on national television only to lose 58 to nothing. Now, it's pretty bad to BS ESPN, but it's Worse when it's BS as in Bishop Sycamore High School. Okay, so how is it that a team whose nickname literally is BS, Bishop Sycamore, able to BS their way onto ESPN television and get trounced by... One IMG. IMG, by the way, is uh, is standing for the IMG Academy, and so this team was set up by Paragon Sports, and they were the ones that were supposed to secure the matchup on ESPN and they were going to play in the Geico kickoff classic 
where a series of seven high school games across ESPN networks featured some of the country's best high school teams. So you'd think Bishop Sycamore, as was written in awfulannouncing.com, would be a similar stature. IMG won 58 to nothing. And turns out this Bishop Sycamore not only BS their way to ESPN, they played a game on Friday night. This game was played on Sunday night. They then they played a game also prior to on Friday night. Under the Friday night lights. And it goes further to say that there were numbers, there were players who played both games. What kind of football is that? I ask you here on the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett. How do you play a quarterback twice in two days? How do you let this even happen, ESPN? They, they, they're dumbfounded. The, the statement released by ESPN is, we regret that this happened and have discussed it with Paragon, which secured the matchup and handles the majority of our high school event scheduling. They have ensured us that they will take steps to prevent this kind of situation from happening moving forward. Well, that didn't stop the Twitter folks from commenting about how this was a safety issue. Even the broadcasters mentioned this. And so, it's only fitting that, and by the way, Bishop Sycamore was supposed to have a conference call with ESPN, according to awfulannouncing.com, before the game, providing a fact sheet of information on Sunday, claiming multiple players had major D1 offers, and ESPN couldn't verify any of this information. Couldn't verify any of this information. And if they couldn't verify it, why'd they let it happen at all? Because obviously, 58 to nothing, IMG Academy has some kids bigger than them, and uh, and it could be a safety issue, as it, as it was mentioned. So, what's going to happen next? What is ESPN? What used to be the wild world of sports, world of sports, devolve into next? Because... First, you let go one of your best reporters and Rachel Nichols. Now you're letting a fake, a team not even verified to play in a Geico Classic, play in the Geico Kickoff Classic, and lose 58 to nothing. You pass the buck on to Paragon Sports. And, oh, by the way, BS High School, can we just call them that? BS High School fired their head coach, Roy Johnson, immediately after Sunday's game. That's the bigger fallout here. As they lost twice in one weekend, by the way. First a 19-7 defeat to Stowe Rocks, which is a Pennsylvania team. And then Friday, they lost uh, to IMG. And, and then Sunday, they lost 58 to nothing to IMG Academy. So, Roy... Johnson is out. I'm sure the radar is now on BS, Bishop Sycamore High School. 
to see where it goes next. Even Governor DeWine of Ohio has had them in mind. And you just wonder how such a proud network of sports like ESPN could allow a fake game to go on and endanger risks, endanger the lives of kids. You know, this also doesn't help the fact that high school and, and, and participation rates in football is declining, by the way, among the high school uh, ranks. Because as of 2020, in 2019 it was reported by LATimes.com, 2,489 fewer participants and 11 player football after high school has seen declines in, and this is the National Federation of State High School Association, by the way. And the National Federation of State High School Association found a decline that began after 11-player football reached an all-time high of 1,112,303 in 2009. Well, now, there were 2,489 fewer participants in 2019, according to the LA Times. A decline of 23,311, 20,540, and 30,829 the last three years. So here, here's the number. High school football players have declined from 1,112,303 to 1,003,524. Now you add this nonsense, this BS to it, and who's going to want to send their kid to high school football, especially if they could be used to get on the national scene, which it seems like, of all intents and purposes, this team like Bishop Sycamore that went 0-6 last season had no business being at the Geico Kickoff Classic. How many other schools try and get away with this, I wonder? Doesn't it make you wonder how many other kids try and get away with stuff like this? I would sure hope it makes you concerned. And I would say the National High School Federation Association should speak out on this if they haven't already and say we are not going to allow schools like this to abuse the kids, to let them play on a national level where they're not even ready for it. They can't even compete. That's the tragedy here, is that this high school now probably will scare even more kids from and parents from letting their kids participate, knowing that they could be used in a setting like an ESPN high school football game. And so high school coaches, I put the blame on Roy Johnson here too. I do. I put the blame on ESPN for passing the buck on this. And I put the blame on, uh, well, on those two specifically. Because they they have no, and, and of course Paragon Sports for not verifying this either. I don't know what the thought process was, thinking that this was going to be okay. I don't even know why they didn't halt the game after a certain point if they saw an overmatch. But they let the game go on. And the kids had to punish for it. They got hit hard, obviously, by kids bigger than them. 
what is, what would you do? Who would you fire in this situation? Especially if you're ESPN. The people who let this game go on should not be continuing to be part of ESPN. How does the coach lose his job, but the ESPN crew that and planners that did this, that allowed this, how are they allowed to stay on? I don't know. But they shouldn't be allowed to stay on if the coach of the team that got blown out isn't allowed to stay on. Because I, I understand why Bishop Sycamore did this. Firing. They lost twice in one weekend. And they played twice in one weekend. Is that Friday Night Lights football or no? I really, I really don't believe it is. I don't believe it is Friday Night Lights football. It's just, let's get on national television and see what the heck happens. Something that I would not dig is allowing kids to be abused like this. Beyond the regular hitting and the regular practices in the heat, by the way, that happen around this time of year. And then you incorporate the numbers I was reading to you from the National Federation of State High School Associations. Yeah, it's, it doesn't look good for high school football right now after this debacle. And who knows what could change it. But certainly not lying to ESPN is going to be a change maker. You know, by the way, speaking of change makers, uh, a cap to the last hour because I was waiting and I, and I finally saw Javi Baez at bat. He actually scored the winning run yesterday in the first game of the doubleheader against the Marlins. He actually scored a, the game winner on a two run single by Comforto uh, as that series continues with the Marlins today. But I noticed that. The fans gave him a thumbs up for a, a hit by pitch, sarcastically. Uh, a couple fans gave him the thumbs down. He did hear the boos. But, but what kind of karma for him to score the winning run just two days after his uh, speech where he said, hey, you know, I, uh, I'm struggling and the fans are the reason why. That's why we're going to do thumbs down. That's why we're going to show the fans how bad they are by giving them thumbs down when we win. Now Lindor and Baez apologized. But I just thought I'd, I'd give you that little capper here uh, as we continue on the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett. I would say if you have any high school football memories, let me know at alex at alexgnyc.com. Alex at alexgnyc.com. And my, my Instagram is alexgnyc1. And of course, you can follow Can You Dig Sports at that very Instagram, Can You Dig Sports. And uh, up next, you're going to hear my interview with Bob Wolf, who actually has passed away. He passed away at the age of 96. But uh, I got him on record a couple of times talking about his career in the uh, world of announcing. And maybe some of you out there listening and, and on this platform as well want to be announcers. So listening to Mr. Wolf's story is, is worth the wait after this commercial break here on uh, the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett. But before that, uh, I want to get to a couple more stories because there's some interesting news on the golf circuit. Bryce DeChambeau, and yeah, 
Brooks Kepka, you know, have this rivalry going on. They're going to put it aside ahead of the Ryder Cup, which is a couple months away. But nonetheless, they're putting it away. And now fans can't troll Bryce DeChambeau. Now, personally, I'm Team Bryce. I I actually, I, I like the guy. And so he's uh, he is now kind of said, nope, you can't troll me. You can't say Brooksy. And uh, I'm like, be better, Bryce. Be, bre- be better. Just like Bias, be better. What's the deal with this fragility of not being able to handle trolls on the field that you are performing on? Just focus on your, what you're doing and not what some guy in the upper deck has to say, if you will, or the back nine or, you know, <laughs> off the fairway. I don't know where these guys stand, but, you know, in the stands, who cares what they say? Just do you, Bryce. Be better. Be better. But the bigger story to me today, coming out, and we're talking about for a minute, is the fact that Trevor Bauer is in real trouble. The Dodger pitcher, who was a big offseason season signing, everybody was so excited that uh, he didn't come to the Mets. And boy, were they right. The Dodgers' Trevor Bauer could face an MLB suspension of at least one year. Because, if you remember, this story started where after a report of a woman said he sexually assaulted her, beat her up in rough sex, and said that was, and didn't, and said there were parts of the sex that were not consensual. Well, the Dodgers were still going to actually let him play, despite all the evidence of a bruised up woman who apparently was roughed up in sex and beaten around because it was rough sex. I, I don't know how rough it could get like that, but that's besides the point. Bauer was still possibly going to pitch on that Sunday, July the 4th. Finally, Major League Baseball and the Dodgers pulled the brakes on that, and then it devolved from not just him pitching, not pitching. They took off the merchandise off the wall. They took all of the stuff that's a Bauer on it off the shelves at Dodger Stadium, which I was at, by the way. I'll get to that one day this week. Uh, the trip to L.A. was great. And uh, got to see the Dodger Stadium against the Mets. Mets lost that day, but still a great trip. I'll get to that one of these days. But for Bauer, now it's gone from const- con- to continual discussions with MLB inv- investigations, where he was going to plead the fifth, to now a real possibility of a suspension, according to ESPN's Jeff Passan. And MLB is looking to see how the league may respond to Bauer once the legal situation is resolved. He's a National Cy Young Award winner. And there's more to this. There was a denial of a restraining order. But basically, this could lead to a suspension that no matter... What happens, I guess, legally, Passon says, the source told him that they expect the league to levy a suspension significant against 30-year-old and then they say maybe no Major League Baseball team 
will be willing to roster him after multiple women have accused him of abuse. So great reporting there by Jeff Passan. I think this was almost predictable of Bauer. I mean, he's just a hot head. And you could see something like this happening. You could see him getting in trouble like this in Los Angeles. And uh, it's about a fall like Oscar Pistorius, as I mentioned last hour. This is also a big fall for a reigning Cy Young, a guy who decided to throw the ball over the center field wall when he was taken out. Real mature guy. And now the 30-year-old could be facing some real-life consequences, like not having a job, if the legal situation doesn't resolve itself into him being jailed, which I think after all this, personally speaking, all the evidence there, it seems that he really roughed up this woman beyond what should have been. And that is inexcusable. But on to better days here at the Sports Hour. We're going to talk with Bob Wolf next. After this commercial break, you're listening to the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett on Can You Dig It Sports and Alex Garrett Podcasting. Welcome back inside to the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett. I hope you're doing well. And one last note, because this Bishop Sycamore team was part of the Geico Kickoff Classic, one could argue that 15 minutes of research could have saved 58 points of headache for both the Bishop Sycamore coaching staff, the players, and the parents watching that disaster against IMG Academy. On that note, I want to now turn to my conversation, which happened in 2012, with the Hall of Fame broadcaster, uh, Bob Wolf. As I mentioned earlier, he called Don Larson's perfect game in 1956, and he called Nick games even. And he tells us some different stories from the road of the broadcasting. And uh, without further ado, my conversation with the late Bob Wolf, who was the Ford C. Frick award winner, that's a broadcasting winner, uh, in 1995, and he also, uh, and he passed away in 96, but he also called the Washington Senators games when the Senators had guys like Harmon Killebrew and and, and the like uh, back in the day, and actually that earned him, his, his time in Washington earned him the naming of the broadcast booth in honor of him in Nationals Park. Little known fact there. But without further ado, my conversation from 2012 with the late Bob Wolf. All right, I'm here with Bob Wolf, uh, longtime broadcaster, Hall of Fame broadcaster for uh, both baseball and basketball, done many sports, and um, he's been my mentor for so many years. Thank you for joining us tonight. Well, it's just a delight to be with you, Alexander. So how's everything going? I know you're on a book. You've been doing a book tour for the last uh, year or so. How's that going? Uh, tell us what you're up to nowadays. It's it's going very well. I appreciate you asking about that. Yes, it's called the complete guide to sportscasting. How to make it in sportscasting with or without talent. I always felt that I was in the latter category. Hmm. Well, obviously you're a Hall of Famer. Tell us about your career and how you made it into broadcasting. Well, basically, most people apply for jobs, I guess, in almost every line of work that they do. They send out letters and resumes and so forth. 
I always felt that a, a better way, the way that I tried to use and did use successfully, was I'd go to a station with an idea for a show, a program, could be radio or television or cable. I'd tell them what the idea was, how a show could be done, which I thought would bring in a lot of people and advertisers as well. And then as we spoke about the show, I'd say, and then I'd do this on the show and do that, and then I'd add this and bring in this guest, etc. And by the time I got through speaking, if they liked the idea, all of a sudden they realized that I was speaking about what I planned to do on my show. And if they right, liked yeah. the idea, they, get, they took me along with it. And I felt that was the best way to, to get on the air and make a sale. There you go. Well, Bob Wolf has been uh, behind the mic for some great events. Bob Larson, Don Larson's perfect game. And Amici score. The Amici score is the greatest game ever played. Uh, that was the Giants against the Baltimore Colts, 1958. And um, of all those moments that you've seen, what stands out to you the most? Well, basically, a lot of people do great shows, great teams. But it's more important from a career standpoint, if you happen to do those great shows or great teams, before the largest audience possible. So I was very fortunate that when I did that Colt Giant game, it was a game that was instrumental in making football of the pros a major sport. After that, everybody wanted to be part of it, and that was the the big football game that got them over the top. It was the first overtime game in National Football Championship history. It involved two great teams, the Giants and the Colts, at Yankee Stadium, New York City. It had all the elements of, of splendor and drama, and, and it made the pro football what it is today. And with the baseballs, my Calling the Don Larson no-hitter, of course, <clears throat> that's the greatest feat in World Series history. So that helped because I had nationwide audiences. But I've had a lot of other sports. I did the championships on TV of the New York Knickerbockers. And for basketball, they were, they were big sports. But I was at the right place at the right time, and that, that's part of the luck of the business. Exactly, and uh, sports is ever-growing nowadays. Uh, another thing about Bob Wolf, I've known him at Yankee Stadium, but I also know him at the Henry Viscardi School where uh, I really first met him. Uh, he's been coming out to the school to help out fundraise for many years, and uh, I'm sure you have a lot of fun at those events. You know, I, the spirit of that school was just terrific. The learning that they impart is wonderful, and that's I enjoy doing things where everybody seems to have a big time being together. And every year, I guess for many, many years, I've been at the big dinner in Albertson and continue to do so. Now, you're also in News 12. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, that. That's part of what you're doing nowadays. Well, for the last 25 years, I've been working for News 12 Long Island and also appearing on other News 12 Long Island shows. A lot of my shows are still on the air on the networks. Madison Square Garden, after 50 years with them, put on a, a big spectacular uh, Bob Wolf's Golden Golden Anniversary. It was very flattering to me they did that. And many of my, my calls, like the, the ones you referred to, the Colts, Giants, Larson, the rest, still being played and highlights on the networks. So uh, 
I've been very lucky that these things have been kept and treasured and are still being played. But at Long Island, I've enjoyed every minute of it there at News 12. It gave me a chance, instead of traveling all around the country, to really stay at home, watch my kids play ball, be with my family more, and also do some studio anchoring and sportscasting. And I enjoy that just as much. So uh, they've been very kind to me for a quarter of a century. And uh, now let's talk about sports, which is what you've done so well at doing over the years. Let's talk about it a little bit. The big news around here nowadays is the Knicks and the Rangers both doing really well. Uh, the Knicks are a little bit more of a surprise because of Jeremy Lin. Uh, your thoughts on Lin? Well, I think it's interesting that on the pro side of sports, I think that a lot of the guys believe that that part of their job is to be entertainers as well as athletes. And I think uh, many are very entertaining with with their dances and slapping on the back and all the rest of the things they go through, calling yourself, make, making sure that people are aware that they made the catch or the touchdown or the or the hit the home run and posing and posturing before they run around the bases. That's all well and good, except that it's done more not for how important it is in the game, but how important it is for them to take a bow, whether it had any game importance or not. So to me, it's been refreshing in, in the last year that we've seen all the accolades going to people who are considered more modest. I mean, Jeremy Lin is the ultimate in that of being the modest guy who defers to his teammates, doesn't try to steal the spotlight. We've seen Tim Tebow has done the same thing this year in football. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've, obviously, we've seen that with, with others. We've seen that uh, in the pros with the Giants as well. So it's been re- very refreshing. And while the Knicks did lose on Thursday to the Heat, I mean, you can't really blame Lynn. The fact is the Heat are a very good team. But I think the Knicks do have some potential. And as you mentioned earlier, you called them over the years, and I'm sure you still follow them uh, pretty closely. Yes, I I do follow them closely. One of the things that I've been doing at, at News 12 is to do editorials every week about the views. I haven't been doing the play-by-play, but I do give my opinions on my, the Bob Wolf point of view show. And uh, my, they've given me the privilege of speaking my mind, and I think that's a, a great privilege for anybody. But I've, I've been dwelling a lot on, on Jeremy Lin. In this last game, he played uh, poorly for Lin, but I've noticed that he takes an awful battering when he drives to the baskets. I mean, when they defenders go over to stop him, they don't only reach up to swat the ball away. They bang into him, and many times he just falls to the floor. And he doesn't get much sleep these days with all the demands for autographs and getting on various TV and radio shows. I, I had the feeling in this last game, he not only looked tired, but he played tired. But I began to see that uh, when he went to the basket, he was a little reluctant to do what he did in the earlier games he played. He seemed to be a, a trifle gun-shy because he'd been hit so hard. So he was missing many layups. He was missing that easy little jump shot he likes to take to float the ball in from four or five feet away. And I think with a little more rest, which he's able to get now during the All-Star break, and just 
get his forces back together, he'll have a great second half of the season. Now, uh, I read today the Knicks have uh, a strange schedule, only two games in the next ten days, of course. All-Star Weekend, Lynn will be playing in that tonight. It's now called the Team Shaq versus Team Charles Barkley, not the I believe sophomores versus freshmen or whatever it is. Uh, a basketball game preceding the All-Star game, which is Sunday, and then uh, following the break, they only have a couple of games. So maybe this rest will help Jeremy in the long run, hopefully. It'll be good. I think, you know, it's it's up to him to get enough rest so that he can really play at this top-notch form, which is awful tough for any of these guys to do because it's not only playing a game every night, it's traveling from one city to the next, you know, sleeping in hotels, eating food and so forth outside of their homes. It's it's a it's, it's a tough existence they're going through. And uh, they've had a lot of back-to-back games, of course. They played the Hawks one night, then went to Miami. Uh, the next, I mean, they've had a lot of back-to-backs. That's just an example. So I think it's wearing on them a little bit. Now on the ice, the Rangers have looked like a totally different team than what we've seen the last few years. They look much better. I think Brad Richards was a key acquisition. Now the big target about Rick Nash and whether the Rangers will get him. Some people say it's a good idea because he's a good scorer. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Rangers this year? Well, for one thing, they have slowly but surely developed some great players. It's more than a one-man team or a two-man team. They actually have put together championship-caliber teams, and that's great to say because um, there's nothing more rabid than a, than a hockey fan. I mean, those... Ranger fans are devoted. They've got something to cheer about, yell about, and they they deserve a team like that, and they're getting it. And also, ice hockey coast-to-coast coast is making bigger inroads this year. The, the national networks are giving them more TV time. They're playing more spectacular games, like the the games in, in baseball stadiums that they're freezing over. It's... Ice hockey is making a big thrust to be up on even a more major basis than it has in the past. Of course, it's been. I've watched the growth when I started doing ice hockey in New York, doing the Rangers. There were just six teams in the league, and that they weren't even seen coast to coast. So they they they've made rapid progress. They have, and obviously, I think honestly, I think the fact that the NBA was not sure if they were going to have a season this year. It's been down to 66 games, and I thought going into the hockey season with NBA not really around, it was their time to step up, and I feel like it's become a popular sport again over the last couple of years, and, uh, you know, Bettman's doing an okay job at commissioner, so uh, I think it's uh, thriving right now compared to what it was a few years ago. I believe so, too. I also believe that when it comes to the Olympic hockey and it comes also to college hockey and high school hockey, they're able to play the sport, keep it even faster without the business of dropping your gloves and squaring off and fighting and making some of these guys goons on the ice to protect their their colleagues. Uh, I believe that, that they should do something to tame down the, the fighting aspect of the game, although the league says that's what the public wants to see. And there's the public and the pros who do the buying of the tickets, so it looks like they're going to stay with that method of doing things. That is true. There's been a banner year for concussions in the NHL, and I always remember Eric Lindros. Almost every time he played, he was sure to get a concussion, of course. Now, that was a few years ago, but that's one player that always did get that, and uh, it's it spread around to other players now. 
Uh, obviously, spring training right around the corner. Well, spring training is here. Uh, A.J. Burnett's out of New York. Was that a good move for the Yankees? I mean, I thought so. What are your thoughts? Well, A.J. Burnett, unfortunately, after some big years, seemed to be in decline as far as his ability to, to win games consistently. But he's the type of pitcher that was really not an overpowering pitcher. He had to make just the right pitches. And, and making just the right spot, hitting the, the right position on, on control, is something that seems to subside when you get older and older. You start making mistakes. And I believe the Yankees felt that they'd given him as many opportunities to win as they could, and maybe someplace else would be better for him. And I think uh, I think for A.J. Burnett, he's welcoming a chance to, to leave New York where he was having his problems getting people to feel that he's on the way back and not trying it someplace else. So I wish him well. I think he's a good pitcher, and I think he will will do well this year. Uh, I think in Pittsburgh he will thrive simply because the markets are totally different. In New York, there's so much pressure. Uh, three major uh, newspapers, many media outlets, and just all eyes are in the center of New York when it comes to baseball because of the Yankees. And if you're not performing well on the Yankees, then, of course, you're going to get the boot in a sense. And I think that's what um, management thought, and I guess uh, the fans were happy to see that as well. On the med side, uh, Johan Santana comes back. Not sure what to expect from him this year. Uh, I say Pelfrey has to step up once again. And who knows, David Wright should uh, should be the guy to lead the offense because he's a veteran presence and he knows what he's doing at the plate. The problem is not the players in many cases. It's that, and this isn't a problem. It's just the fact that New York demands winners. I mean, it's the biggest city in the world. They pay the most money, they have great fans, and they want people to, to win win ball games, no matter what the sport. That was the problem that A.J. Burnett ran into. It's a problem the Mets ran into last year when it looked like they were just going downhill. And now with such a, a limited budget, it's important that to restore faith in the franchise, they get off to a good start, not slot start slipping right out of contention early in the season. There's hope mm-hmm. as long as they play the games and if, if they win. But uh, people will be focusing on them to see if that's possible. And I'll say you this, they won't lack in spirit. They won't lack in trying. Now the question is, will they be able to have enough talent to do it? Well, we'll see. I, I wonder how... How much of a difference is it going to make moving in the fences, uh, both in right field and center field, I believe? Uh, it could make a difference for that offense. Uh, only time will tell. Now, uh, going to football really quickly, obviously the Giants did win the Super Bowl. We all know that it was a great run for them. Now it's on to the combine and uh, the draft, which will probably have Andrew Luck going into Indianapolis. Uh, what are your thoughts on Peyton? Will he go back to India or is he on the way out? Well, I believe that that Peyton, according to the the Jets, they still are interested in the possibility of getting him. I think the the Jets are being very cautious this year of what they actually want to do because they've been burned by the fact that their their coach was awful of prognostication, saying they were going to win, go all the way to the championship. He doesn't make the predictions that they may try for or get Peyton. 
but certainly uh, he's in their thoughts right now. That'll be an interesting thing if he were to come to New York. More important, if he can still play despite that that neck problem that he has. But uh, yeah. it would make for a great season if he gets to New York. It would, and I think a lot of people want a different quarterback than Mark Sanchez. But people have to remember, Sanchez did bring the Jets to the the conference game two years in a row. Yes, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl either time, but uh, you got to still have some patience with him. He's only a third-year quarterback, so give him a little time, and maybe it'll it'll work out. Uh, absolutely, so, he, he shows potential. You know, the the problem is winning, particularly in New York, demands not having a good game or many good games. It demands consistency. Like the pad game that, that uh, Lynn had the other day, that doesn't change his ability. It just means he had a poor game like many people have had. But uh, in New York, if you don't win, you, you're a loser. And it doesn't take much to get that tag. So uh, I'm hoping that that Lynn comes back. I'd like to see Sanchez have a great year, and I'd like to see Peyton in New York. I'm all for second chances and anything, and and these guys have should have that opportunity. And of course, Aaron, uh, he's always given a second chance in New York. I uh, was given and won the two, won the World Series a few years ago. So there's an example of how they stuck with him, and uh, he let him down then, but. We'll see what kind of year Jorge Posada hung it up as well. Uh, I'm sure you've talked with Posada over the years. Uh, really nice guy. Hey, incidentally, before we, we end our little session together, I'd just like to uh, tell your many fans that I love the fact that you're progressing so well in the in the sports casting field. You started out as a young guy. You certainly got my interest with your ability, with your enthusiasm, with your preparation with your ability to go out and get the job done, make a name for yourself. You've lived up to everything that a young sportscaster has to do, and I predict a great future for you as well. Thank you very much, sir. It means a lot to hear that, and I want to thank you again for everything you've taught me. Uh, since September of 2006, Bob has uh, helped me with play-by-play skills and, and writing skills and really knowing how to be an announcer, so I want to thank you again for that. Well, thank you. You're doing it, which is more important than saying you'd like to do it. You actually have done it, and you continue to do it. So any time that I can be of any help, minor or big big way, just give me a call. I'm right in your corner. And, you know, I did call Bob Wolf for years after this interview, continued the friendship, and continued calling him to update on my progress, get advice as I continue to progress through radio, through AM 970 The Answer, through AM 570 The Mission, through Salem Media Group. And I'm very thankful to have had the experience I've had with him over the years. And I do believe here on Sports Hour with Alex Garrett that this transition to online radio with Can You Dig Sports Radio is a big attribution to Mr. Bob Wolf. To my father, who actually got me every place, and, and mom did too, and and those five really, Mr. Wolf, mom, Vic, my grandmother, uh, they have all 
contributed to why, and they're the core of why I'm here today on Can You Dig Sports? Because we're part of a journey, man. And the real Leal, he, Jaleel Lewis, is seeing this journey from afar and saying, let's see what we can do on Can You Dig Sports and the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett. And I'm very honored and thankful for this opportunity. And next hour, well, you get to know more about me. And then we'll see you tomorrow as more sports news breaks. But for now, follow me at AlexGNYC1, AlexGNYC1, AlexGPodcast. And then tune back in tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the Sports Hour with Alex Garrett on Alex Garrett Podcasting and now syndicated on Can You Dig Sports Radio, part of the Droopbox Radio. Take care.